The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. What about Acts 3.19 and 2 Peter 3.9? Do these passages say that repentance is necessary for eternal salvation, for salvation from the lake of fire? Or are they talking about something else? Welcome to Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. This is our podcast and radio broadcast ministry. Thank you for joining us today. We are a free grace ministry, and you can find out more about us by going to our website, faithalone.org. In addition to blogs and podcasts, we also produce a video three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and you can find them at the YouTube channel for the Grace Evangelical Society. Now let's go to our discussion for the day. Here are Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. And in our last episode, we talked about a question sent in by Donna who asks or makes a statement, repentance is necessary in order to be saved. And she lists a number of verses. And in our last episode, we talked about two of them. And we thought it'd be a good idea to talk about a few extra ones. Yeah. And let me just say, even though I realize to some degree, it's painful when people question what we're saying. On the other hand, I so welcome it. And I want to commend Donna because we're to search the scriptures to see if the things we're hearing are so. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Acts 17.11, the Bereans were more noble-minded for they searched the scriptures so that they could see if what Paul and Silas were saying were true. So I commend her for this, and I think you've got a couple more. Let's take a look at them. Yeah, and I just want to piggyback on what you just said. I don't think any of us should have thin skin, that if, if someone brings up a question, either Maybe you haven't considered something, or maybe you can help that person out to understand it. So this is a great exercise, and repentance obviously is a big deal. We run into it all the time in our ministry here at GES. People ask this on our Zoom classes and our conferences, obviously with our emails. So Donna asked about another verse, Acts 3, verse 19. And in Acts 3, 19, I'm going to read it from the uh, New King James. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And Donna is saying that this is a verse that teaches us that we need to repent in order to be saved from the lake of fire. And the problem with that, and by the way, you stopped at the end of verse 19, but verse 20 continues, and that he may send Jesus who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Yeah, that's important. What this is, is what a dispensationalist called the reoffer of the kingdom. Jesus was offering the kingdom. John the Baptist was talking about Jesus and preparing the way, Mark 1, 14 and 15. And repentance was a condition. Repent and believe the gospel, Mark one fifteen. The gospel there from verse 14 is the good news, the kingdom is drawn near. Yeah, and in Mark there, there's also the majority text critical issue about, is it the gospel of the kingdom or just the gospel? Right, right. right. but the majority of manuscripts, the gospel of the kingdom. kingdom. The point here is that not only did Jesus offer the kingdom, but his apostles early in the book of Acts were still offering the kingdom to Israel. And there were two conditions for the kingdom to come. 
it had to be a nation that was believing, and it had to be a nation that was in fellowship with God. So that required them to repent nationally. The whole nation needed to repent. And that's what this is talking about. So Acts 3.19 is not talking individually about individual Jews repenting so they can have everlasting life or so that Jesus might come, verse 20. I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter if an individual Jew in the first century believed, it didn't guarantee Jesus would come. It had to be a national faith yeah, that, that's, and national repentance. Yeah, that's such a good point, Bob, you know, that if you do this, Jesus will come. Well, what if they had done it? You know, if the nation had done it, then yes, Jesus would come. This is the times of refreshing. And a lot of people don't see this as a Jewish issue, so they think, okay, this is me today, exactly. Gentile, and it's saying if I repent, then I am going to have, how, what does it call it here? That I may be converted. And they say conversion is being born again. No, that you may turn, right. that you may be turned back to the Lord in fellowship with him. These are born-again people. These are people who've already believed what the apostles are saying. But the issue here is a call for national repentance and uh, faith so that Jesus might come. But this isn't saying that if a Gentile today believes that Jesus is going to come. If that were the case, then Jesus would have come in the first century, right? Right. The first Gentile that believed would have been, that's it. Yeah, and obviously this goes back to the... The distinction between Israel and the church, you know, we got to keep those things distinct. And I know that most teachers don't teach that in Christendom today, but it's obvious here who Peter is talking to. Anybody can read chapter three and say, who's he talking to there? He's talking to the Jewish nation. It's coming. It'll be here before you know it. What am I talking about? The Grace Evangelical Society's National Conference 2024. It will take place May the 20th through the 23rd at Camp Copus, an absolutely beautiful campground in North Texas, right on the lake with lots of recreation, great food, a great place to stay, wonderful fellowship, and wonderful free grace Bible teaching. It is time to start planning and getting registered for the National Conference 2024, May the 20th through the 23rd. Hope to see you there. Another verse that Donna mentions with repentance, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. There he's talking about the coming of the Lord. Why hasn't he come back yet? Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. She understands Peter to be saying this, God does not want anyone to perish, which means to go to hell. In her view. Right, in her view. But for everyone to come to repentance and therefore to be saved from going to hell. That's the way she's taken it, and so that's her point. Okay, and this is one of the 11 verses that in my dissertation I suggested did refer to a repentance being needed to be born again, and I thought it was changing your mind about Christ. So but you I, didn't believe before, and now you do. You change yeah. your mind, and now you believe. But right. I came to see that that's totally wrong. You pointed out the way you read an interesting point. Notice it talks in verse 9 about concerning his promise. He's not slack concerning his promise. Well, that occurs up in verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? And then they say, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And then he says this, they willfully forget. By the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water. 
So they're saying they're forgetting the fiat creation and also by which the world then existed perished. Well, what does he mean the world that existed perished? He says being flooded with water. Obviously talking about the flood of Noah's day. Right. Right. And it's not saying the world went to hell. (laughs) Right. He's saying the world was destroyed. And this is the only other use of the word perished in Second Peter. And it happens immediately before this. Immediately before. So I remember one day I was reading in my Greek text and I came to Second Peter 3, 9 and I saw the word perished and I said to myself, where else does the word perish occur? Now, I just read it, <laughs> but I didn't remember. So I pulled out my Englishman's Greek concordance and I looked and I saw the only other use was in verse six. You didn't use logos or anything? No, not then. <laughs> so I called up Zane Hodges. And I said, do you think I'm crazy here? I'm looking at Second Peter 3, 9. I think what this is saying is perish here refers to dying. It has to, right? Because just a few verses earlier, he talks about these people died physically. They perished. And Zane says, not only is verse 6 that way, but look at 10 through 12. 10 through 12 talks about the second destruction of the heavens and the earth. Well, the second destruction of the earth and the destruction of all the planets and the stars and everything, when there's going to be this great conflagration, when everything is burned up. When the tribulation comes, billions of people are going to die. And so the point here is that God does not want any to die, but all to come to repentance. Repentance is the antidote for premature death. As long as the level of worldwide repentance is high enough, the tribulation will not come. And by the way, this... And that's why he hasn't come yet, because the world has not reached that point. Right. That's a theme all through the Old Testament. The Canaanites were not kicked out of the promised land until their sins were filled up. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah were not destroyed until their sins were filled up. The world was not flooded until the sins of the world were filled up. And that's going to be true in terms of the second destruction of the earth. And that's when the Lord is going to come, when the sins are filled up. Now, of course, Peter, it's interesting, in 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12, does not refer to the tribulation. He refers to the time after the millennium, and he calls it the day of the Lord. What we need to recognize is the day of the Lord starts with the rapture and goes all the way to the destruction of the heavens and the earth after the millennium. And all that's the day of the Lord. Well, in verse 10, we do kind of see the tribulation because he says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It's going to begin like a thief in the night. Which is in Matthew 24 with Jesus' teaching, and it's in 1 Thessalonians 5 with Paul's teaching. Which talks about the tribulation period. Right. So Peter is starting in verse 10 with the rapture. I think the most important thing about this question about repentance and perishing is to understand that perishing here does not refer to hell. That's a good point. And I have a book called The Ten Most Misunderstood Words in the Bible, and I have a chapter on perishing. Well, it's on loss, but it's the same Greek word, apolemy. What I point out is 90% of the time, apolemy refers to physical death or physical destruction. Only 10% of the time is it like John 3.16, where it refers to eternal condemnation. You can read that chapter and take a look at it. It's actually rare perishing refers to being condemned eternally. And one of the principles of Bible interpretation is that you got to look at how the word is used in the context. And as Bob has pointed out, 
the word perish is used just a few verses earlier, and it refers to physical death. So right. to say this is talking about hell, you need to repent in order to be saved from hell. No, that's not what Second Peter 3, 9 is referring to. And you know, Kim, what's remarkable, how many gospel tracts have Second Peter 3, 9 in it, <laughs> and it's not even a verse telling people what they must do to be born again. Right. Peter isn't evangelizing his readers here. I think what we need to recognize is that when we study all of the references to repentance, they don't contradict John 3.16, which doesn't mention repentance, or Ephesians 2.8-9, which doesn't mention repentance, or Galatians 2.16, which doesn't mention repentance, or Revelation 22.17. The only condition of everlasting life is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, not to believe and repent. That's confusion. Remember, look at the context, and remember we're given eternal life as a free gift, and that is a good way to end this when we say, Keep keep grace grace in focus. Be our guest and subscribe to our 48-page magazine, Six Issues Per Year, also called Grace in Focus. It's free by emailing your name and snail mail address to ges at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. Maybe you've got a question or comment or feedback. If so, please send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And when you do, please make sure your question is as succinct and clear as possible. That would be a great big help. On the next episode, we look further at the relationship between repentance and salvation in the Bible. Please join us, and until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.